One of the key values of Startup Grind that really resonates with me is you want to make friends, not contacts. And I think um, that's what we're all here to do today. Um, so for those of you who are streaming online, um, we also welcome you into our global network and we hope that you can join us again in person very soon. Um, and then without further ado, I'm so excited to welcome Quinn um, Vitam. He is the executive director of Reuse Hawaii. Um, he founded the program back in... Thank you all so much for being here. Um, I, as well as George, I'm extremely excited that we're finally able to meet again in person. I think, honestly, nothing can really replace um, the experience of meeting other people who are also passionate about entrepreneurship um, face to face. Can I get a round of applause for those of you who are excited to be here in person? <laughs> awesome, yeah. Um, so it's really great to have everyone here. And um, for Startup Grind, for those of you who it's your first time, Startup Grind is the world's largest community of entrepreneurs that's independently created. Um, we have over 600 chapters in over 125 countries. So we truly have a global presence. Um, we are powered by Google for startups. Um, and our, our mission is really to connect people, bring them together. Um, I think in 2006, so you guys are going very strong. Um, Quinn, this is not his first uh, nonprofit. He also had two nonprofits over in Olympia, Washington. So he is, um, <laughs> I would say, experienced. Would you agree with me? Thank you. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> Seasoned. We'll take that. Yeah. Um, so Quinn is very seasoned, and um, we're excited to learn more about his story as an entrepreneur. So um, if I can get a round of applause for Quinn, and I have a lay for you, Quinn. Um, so we're so excited to have you here. Lovely to be here. Thanks. Thanks. Right. Well, great. Well, let's um, let's just jump right into it. So, Quinn, tell me, um, how did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, thanks, Liz. Really appreciate um, you inviting me. I'm just honored and, and uh, feel lucky to be uh, the, the first uh, person to, to come to the in-person event. And it's just uh, it's it's been a long road, and um, it's just great to see everyone and um, and uh, actually have you know conversations uh, face to face. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, so I, um, I, you know, like like a lot of people, just have been really lucky in my path and um, uh, had an opportunity when I lived uh, in in Washington State to uh, start a uh, Habitat for Humanity Restore. Okay. Uh, it's it's a habitat model where they basically create a store to harness donations from the public. To support uh, affordable housing, and um, yeah, so it was really fun, and um, we did that for a couple years, and then outgrew that model, um, and started an independent organization called Olympia Salvage, and uh, worked at Fort Lewis's big army base in Washington State, um, taking down all the old barracks from uh, just that were obsolete and that they didn't use anymore, full yeah. of great, uh, great material. Um, so I just started seeing all the potential in um, transforming uh, the practice of demolition and instead um, doing what we call deconstruction, uh, disassembling buildings in the opposite order that they're built so that you can uh, preserve material for reuse and recycling and uh, make a community resource out of what would otherwise go into the landfill. Right. So pretty basic principle, but um, takes a lot of work, and uh, and I've been really lucky to have some great um, experiences with the three startups that I've done to, um, to to kind of figure out how to make it happen. Wow, that's awesome! So it sounds like each of those experiences kind of all culminated in um, the reused Hawaii store. Um, that's that's really great. So were there any early signs of entrepreneurship? You know, when you were younger, did you kind of have a feeling like this dream, like one day I'm going to be an entrepreneur, um, anything like that? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I love my parents. They're, um, 
both you know business people. My dad's a builder. Um, he says he's retired, but you know once a builder, always a builder. <laughs> and uh, my my mom um, uh, is also just super creative, and, and um, we were homeschooled from first to sixth grade. And uh, one of the things that we did as a my brothers and my mom and I um, was we started a um, book and toy store because um, we had all these kind of cooperative games and all this this neat stuff that we love to do as a homeschooling family and we wanted to kind of share it with uh, the the enormous community in Tamworth, New Hampshire, 3,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we uh, basically opened up our um, our, our uh, dining room. Uh, and made a, a, a little store. And so people put a sign at the end of the driveway and people could come up and, and, uh, and browse what we had. So it was, it was really fun. And then we expanded it to above the, the garage, big oh, wow. time expansions. Uh, it was actually really neat, all pine, the ceiling, floor and walls. Uh, welcome to New Hampshire. And, um, and then we installed the bell, so when you're in the house, you heard the bell and run up to the top of the garage and see who was there and what they, what they might want. Um, so then my parents bought a piece of property like 10 minutes away, and we, I had the store there, and I worked there in the summers and after school with my mom and stuff. And uh, you know, at the time, you're just like, whatever, Woodland Books and Toys is what we do. But it's also like really great experience to um, learn how to interface with customers and handle cash and yeah. deal with inventory and that kind of thing. Okay. So. How long were you doing that for? Uh, well, that was just an ongoing thing okay. throughout our teenage years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> Still doing it. Still doing it. Still doing it. <laughs> Still doing it. Yeah, and, and speaking of uh, toys and wonderful uh, characters, uh, I forgot to introduce Monkey. Uh, Monkey is my, my three-year-old son's uh, friend, and I, I told him that we, he'd come along with me tonight. So uh, he, he's a beloved uh, you know, friend and member of the family. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Yay, Monkey. I'm sure there's applauses there. <laughs> Um, awesome. So um, then more recently in Olympia, Washington, um, tell us a little bit more about some of your work there and maybe how it led to your, um, you know, what you created with Reuse Hawaii. Yeah, well, I, I went to Evergreen State College, and for fo folks that know it, it's just a really great college, a state school, but you'd never know it. Um, and uh, if you want, at Evergreen, you can create your own curriculum. And so um, I, I basically designed my own studies around um, building material reuse and, and uh, you know, architectural salvage and things like that. Um, I, I had seen a lot of like, you know, salvaging clawfoot tubs and stained glass windows and mantles and all the things that were obviously important to, to salvage before a building was demolished. But, um, we would also go into the attics and see all the rafters and ceiling joists and all the amazing old growth Douglas fir. And I just thought, man, we got to save this stuff too. So I wrote a business plan uh, at Evergreen uh, to create an organization that would uh, be a little bit more bold in, in salvaging the entire building. And, um, and then when I was done with that, I decided to you know, actually do it. So um, it was, uh, yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good opportunity. I had a lot of support, amazing people in Olympia, super hard workers, because you know, Olympia is, is rainy most of the time, and so um, try and go disassemble a house in, in that kind of weather is super hard, but uh, I was proud of everyone involved. It was, it was fun. Awesome. Um, and then it sounds like after that, I've heard some really great stories of your travels. Um, it sounds like you uh, had the opportunity to go to some pretty interesting places and learn some interesting things. I think we're curious to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, well, that was so before I, um, I and I recommend this to, to younger folks that, um, you know, they're kind of between school or, or work is just, you know, take off and explore the world. It's, it's uh, I was really, really lucky and glad I did it. And I was able to, um, 
do it on the cheap too because I went to Europe and uh, did willing workers on organic farms. And so you can volunteer at a farm and um, you know they put you up and feed you and you do six hours of work a day and get to experience the culture and it's just amazing. I went to six different farms and then I did the uh, grape harvest in the fall for, uh, for Beaujolais, the, the red wine that, that, that uh, everyone loves there. So, um, so that was really fun to experience Europe. I was there for nine months. And, um, and then I also went to, uh, to India and uh, did a study abroad program through the University of New Hampshire. And we were studying uh, sustainability uh, through the lens of uh, the study of ecology, spirituality, and community. And so we spent most of our time in a place called Oroville. Okay. It's a, a giant intentional community, a super special place. Um, uh, it's, it's sort of an offshoot of the uh, Sri Aurobindo ashram, which is kind of in the neighboring town. And uh, we did a lot of, lot of amazing things there. They were doing a reforestation project, uh, uh, planting uh, na native uh, trees to try and get the, the rainforest back because it was uh, kind of eroding. They were, um, it was an old uh, cashew plantation that just ended up washing into the ocean. So um, yeah, so uh, India was really, really special and also kind of an eye opener. You know, I was, a New Englander and kind of sheltered from some of the um, intensity and in, that you'd find in other countries and uh, we all got off the plane and in Madras and it was just uh, just really crazy to see how dense the population was and yeah. um, the level of poverty and uh, just uh, how people live there and just how, how different it is and no toilet paper anywhere you know for example Right. So. Makes the reusing and the recycling um, even more of a passion project. I would yeah, like I would why imagine. are we? Yeah, like why are we throwing good stuff out? And there's right. people in India that, you know, that um, just are, are are starving for any kind of resource. So. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit more about some of these different paths that you've taken to success. I know, uh, for a lot of folks, you know, it, it's not necessarily a straight path. It's more of like a winding road. Um, but what would you say would be some of your, your different paths that you've taken to success? Yeah, well, um, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, windy road, key word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think, you know, it's so hard because like when I was in my 20s, it's just like, what can I do to make an impact in the world was sort of what I was trying to figure out. And, um, uh, you know, I just tried to be receptive to all the experiences that I had and maybe too receptive because I landed on building material reuse and really grasp onto it because I had a background in building from working with my dad. And I thought, man, this is, uh, this is kind of a sol solution to this issue that we've always been grappling with. Like we we had this part of our driveway where we just bring all the reusable material back, but then it's like, well, you build a fort and like, that's about, <laughs> you know, about it. So um, creating a solution where you can develop a, an avenue for unwanted building materials to, to be reused and kept out of the landfill, I just, I just really loved. Uh, plus there's just some really special things that just aren't made anymore, like clawfoot tubs and old growth lumber and things, so. Um, so, but I think uh, one of the one of the pivotal points was um, was actually the business plan because I, I was sort of like meandering, and then um, by sitting down and actually typing something up was a really interesting uh, process and got me to like think through all the parts and pieces. Um, and I had tons of support. Um, they, you know, had a community sponsor, Scott Royer, and uh, and a faculty sponsor, and. Um, and then uh, the county had free business planning advice, and so I used them a lot. Uh, but I, I brought actually the, the one of the renditions, which is the Reuse Hawaii um, business plan from 2007. Wow! Um, but it's it's basically what I wrote in college, just you know, adapted for what what we do here, what we did in the beginning at least. 
Um, so it's, it was just uh, fun to do, and I, I got really insane with my appendix. You can see all these black tabs, or because I yeah. wanted to show like I, there's a tool inventory list, and you know that we have like copies of our business cards and press coverage, and um, so I just had a lot, a lot of fun basically, um, you know, sh making the case that this is a really viable, exciting new venture. Yeah, and um, and it really paid off because it, uh, I think with with certain folks, fun funders in particular, yeah. when they could see, uh, you know, this is 2007, so you had a hard copy. It was real weird times. Um, <laughs> but, but it just instilled a lot of confidence. And, and we also entered it into uh, the, the business plan competition at Chaminade. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. and uh, uh, it was funny. They said, okay, we're having the ceremony where we talk about, you know, the, the top three winners. and. So we go and we're like, well, you know, we're probably not on the list, but let's just see who got in. Yeah. And so they go through like third place and second place. They're like, wow, we didn't get that. And then first place, they called us up. It was really, really special. Uh, best out of 40. So it's right here. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely got an A on that one. <laughs> um, Okay, so um, so I guess that that's a little bit of the idea behind Reuse Hawaii, but um, where, where did the original idea kind of spark? I know that there was a moment with your co-founder where you kind of were like, okay, this is something that we're thinking about doing. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what that was? Like. Yeah, I mean, so for me, like in Olympia, I was like trying to kind of figure out like how to scale it and how to make a big impact, how to not be struggling all the time, and um, yeah. and uh, you know how how to you know go back to the point of of making a difference in the world and maximizing my impact in the time that I had, and um, so I got invited to speak at this EPA conference in Atlanta. This is 2005, um, also a weird time before smartphones, right? And, um, and I talked about building material um, organizations and how to get one started, because I had done two, okay? Right. <laughs> Tons of credibility. Right. But it's a, you know, it's a small industry, so, um, so you know, I had kind of a lot to share on it. And I met Selena, who is co-founder, um, who left in 2014, but was really a, a huge impact to the organization. And, and had the original idea. She was an interior designer here in town and uh, saw all the waste. And, and uh, so we decided to team up. And I was shocked that as an island community, um, no one was doing like a, a decent scale building material reuse operation. Because um, if there's any place we should be keeping stuff out of the landfill, it's, it's in Hawaii right. or other island communities. Um, yeah, and so. Um, Sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> My question is how you originally came up with the idea for reuse. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so teamed up with Selena and, um, and then a bunch of other people. You know, one of the things I want to make clear is like <laughs> an enterprise like reuse is, is comprised of so many amazing people yeah. that um, just work their butts off to make a difference. And we see, we see that now, our team at reuse is just um, super special, super dedicated. And um, so yeah, we, um, we spent a whole year um, doing like kind of uh, networking and some marketing and a little bit of fundraising and, um, and uh, uh, you know, just trying to kind of figure out like what the steps were to kind of get it going. And uh, we did a pilot project uh, in New Uanu. Um, and then we did a kickoff presentation at Unity Church, which was incredible. It was the, the place was packed. That's We're like, awesome. wow, yeah, it was, the word just had gotten out. And, and it's building material reuse and salvaging material. It's such a tangible idea that everyone sort of gets. Like, you don't have to really explain it. It's like, Oh, keep reusable material out of the landfill. And yeah. So we had a lot of folks that like were in the industry that had seen the problem. Like, finally, somebody's like figuring this out. Hmm. Um, yeah. Then um, we uh, were on NPR, um, HPR, and a talk show, just kind of talking about what we were doing. And um, 
somebody from the army was listening and they thought, well, we've got this giant warehouse at Fort Shafter Flats we're about to demolish. Why don't we call them? And so uh, I went down and I did a, like a feasibility study for them on like what they could do with this giant. It's huge. I, I was joking. You could see the curvature of the earth when you were looking down the building because it was so long, 180 feet long. Um, so we did the um, uh, feasibility report. And of course, everyone was really excited because it was full of salvageable material, corrugated metal and uh, all the wood framing. Um, and they um, hired a local contractor to do the work, and then um, they approached us and said, would you like to deconstruct it? And uh, so that was a funny conversation because uh, we didn't have a crew. Um, so I went to their office in Campbell, and was, uh, you know, they're saying, so like, you know, who you got on your crew? I was like, well, you know, just working on that. And so um, it was really touching because I was 26 at the time. And uh, mm -hmm. the fact that they had so much confidence in me to like put it all together and pull this huge project off was really incredible. Um, so I, I always think about them. I st I'm still in touch with some of the people at that company. Um, and uh, yeah, so we deconstructed it, and it went really well. And um, we opened up a, a lot at Point Panic in Kakaako, because you don't really need a giant warehouse when you're doing a startup like this. Um, you know, you just have a lot of empty space otherwise. Uh, sounds like you're familiar with that phenomenon, George. <laughs> um, and so it was a 10,000 square foot lot. and. Uh, Lots of credit to Hawaii Community Development Authority. Um, as folks know, they're um, a, a state agency that oversees Kaka'ako and uh, Kalailoa. And uh, they were just super supportive. Tony Ching was the executive director at the time. And he, he could, like many, could see the potential of what we were about to do and uh, helped us a lot. And um, so once we, we were at the yard for a year, once we grew, Tony said, hey, uh, we, we have a warehouse that you might be interested in. So he showed us our existing place. And so we've been there for, uh, for um, 12 years now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then what, what would be like some of your advice to people who are thinking about doing something entrepreneurial? What would you say to those folks? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it really depends on what you're doing. Uh, there's just so many variations of projects and scales and um, you know uh, formations of, of how you set up your organization um, um, but uh, you know I um, I recommend like thinking it really through and creating a, a, a super strong network um, that you can um, you can basically leverage to, to, to make it come true um, and uh, and that can be really hard you know it's like George and I were in Omidyar fellows and man it's like really helped because like we've become part of this greater network the form of fellows and, and it's super helpful but I'm like man it must be really hard for folks that just don't have their developed network yet so I'd say that's like a, a really important thing to, to work on uh, find your mentor um, we, um, we have a lot of mentors at Reuse Hawaii that um, little, little do they know, we sort of like <laughs> start talking and like they just become like a key player in like helping us navigate things. So um, yeah, so, uh, and it's also touching because you can sort of invite people to be your supporter and your mentor. And think about that if like they, you know, sort of like me tonight, it's like really touching, you know, people are like caring about what you think and, and taking your advice, at the, you know, with with the utmost seriousness, and so yeah. it's a it's a it's a really actually an easy thing to do to invite people to be your mentor. So I would I would make that a, a, a strong suggestion, uh, depending depending on what you're doing. So in terms of like reaching the scale that Reuse Hawaii has reached, like what would you recommend for businesses that are looking to scale up? Or like even just if you're getting started, what would you recommend in terms of like creating the scale that they want to have? Yeah, um, this is hard. 
this is a really tough one. Um, it, especially for me, it was like really difficult because we're so operational. Yeah. It's like you can't do anything without a flatbed or a forklift or like, you know, sawzalls and all this stuff, you know, all this right. infrastructure. And so um, get, getting up to speed was, um, was really, really difficult. Um, the first thing we did is uh, we bought a trailer for all of our tools and I parked it in my driveway and uh, started building shelves in it. <laughs> Just, uh, so, um, yeah, I, you know, one of my mentors and coaches, uh, Dave Viotti, has a, a coaching uh, and consulting firm called Smallify. Okay. And his whole thing is, um, you know, take a small piece and just get started on it. It's like break things up into, it's because we're doing some big things here, right? And so how to kind of break it up into, into smaller chunks that are attainable. The way he says it, it's like, you want to run a marathon? Take a walk around the block. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of um, sort of an important thing because your mind can kind of explode, you know, if, if you're trying to sort of think through everything. Um, so it's like just, just kind of get started on something that you know is important to, get, to start gaining momentum. Um, does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and, and what would you say have been the biggest challenge that you face as an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, hard to choose. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a real journey. You know, there's a lot of, uh, we were talking earlier just about, you know, you're going down a path and it's just, you know, whack-a-mole where you just have to sort of pivot and adapt. And um, uh, I think for us, like, um, just having enough capital and cash flow has been really tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, just it just running an operation. We have 37 staff members and, and you know, uh, two retail facilities. And uh, right now we're running four deconstruction crew uh, crews um, between here and Hawaii Island. And uh, it just requires a ton of, a ton of, of output, you know, in terms of, of expenses. And uh, so it's just, it, that can get away from you really quickly. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I've actually, in, in the last several years, have really started honing in on um, uh, monitoring finances and really keeping your finger on the pulse of um, where the cash flow is and what's going on with your uh, potential revenue coming in and what kind of unexpected things might happen because um, it's scary, like you can spend, you know, we were talking earlier again about, um, you know, uh, working for two years on a startup, but then what if just w one thing goes wrong and the whole thing, sit, you know, just slides into, into nothingness, you know, it's like really <laughs> scary. Um, and so I think keeping track of the finances is like a, one thing that you can do to um, really protect the investment that you put into your startup. Um, and it's in, you know, so one of the challenges is, is definitely that. I think like retaining key personnel has also been super tough. Like we'll get like into a rhythm and then somebody will just leave, you know, it's fine. You know, people just have other th th interests and things to do, but it, it can really take away some momentum. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's been, um, especially in the early days, you know, because we have a, this model where we have team leaders that run our deconstruction sites, disassembling buildings. And um, they, you know, if you team lead a couple of projects, you start getting good at it. And uh, man, when they leave, we're just like, ah, oh, man, like all that, you know, institutional knowledge about how to cut down rafters and salvage wall hung sinks or whatever it is. And um, so, um, but I think, you know, just we've also kind of learned some lessons about, um, you know, s supporting our staff and including them in some of the decision makings and making and um, empowering them in, in their leadership roles um, and giving them authority can, can really help. Because, like, when you're in charge, like, that's motivating and people end up sticking around. So it's so, so a couple, couple tricks to that. Yeah, so I think re retention of key personnel, and there's yeah. actually a, a part of the business plan that talks about our risks 
and key personnel is at the top because uh, you can do all this all work. All the way back in that business plan that you originally created. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right up there is key yeah. personnel, isn't it? Yeah, Lo loss of key personnel is the <laughs> heading. Yeah. yeah, so. You were planning for this. <laughs> the other challenge for us is um, what, what I refer to as the demolition paradigm. And yeah. it's basically like in the industry, uh, we've got some real estate people here that know, know this, is, is, you know, we just, the industry just says, you get an excavator, smash it down, send it to the landfill, move on with your new build. And so we're trying to kind of help the industry think a little bit differently about that and understand the importance of waste reduction and the fact that there's tons of great reusable community resources within these buildings that they don't need anymore. And, um, and there's a path to, um, to uh, being more sustainable in the way that we renew the built environment. Um, and plus, um, the you know, plug on the reuse model here is all the material that we salvage for reuse is a tax-deductible donation. Um, so there's an economic benefit that people need to pay attention to, too. And it, for, the, for the folks that, that notice it and leverage it, it pays off big time. So, so we can do things sustainably, and it pays off financially as well. Okay. So there's a, there's a longer list of challenges, <laughs> but I'm sure you have more questions. <laughs> well, we might come back to it. Okay. Um, so funding and revenue is often a challenge for businesses that are in the startup stages. Um, is there any advice that you would have for businesses that are looking to secure funding um, or um, just get started? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm looking at George. <laughs> um, well, like, so it, it may come back to the relationship point. Um, like, we, we were really lucky um, to, to, to gain the confidence of the Hawaii Community Foundation early on. And um, we, they gave us um, some, some, some seed funding. Um, one of the grants was 30000 and back then, it was like all the money in the world, uh, right? And it really, it really helped us. I mean, of course, without it, it just, it would have been nearly impossible. Um, Which and organization was that? Hawaii Community Foundation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's my HCF plug. Um, but yeah, then, you know, other relationships, we, we were lucky to meet... Um, Folks that worked with uh, with the Omidyars, the, the Omidyar family, Pierre and Pam, uh, who are just the most gracious people and uh, so generous. And um, it, we were one of the first um, organizations that Ulupono Initiative uh, funded because uh, they, they have kind of three focus uh, areas: of food, uh, energy, and, and waste. And so, uh, you know, they, they, they really saw us as an important uh, player in, in the waste piece and helped us kind of implement some, some key pieces early on that, that helped us to get to the point that we are now. Um, yeah, uh, I, you know, I think operating lean is a really, is a really key piece. I know it's, it's hard. Um, uh, but it's just a nature of getting things going. I mean, unless you just get some sort of windfall, you know, piece of funding that just helps you, you know, do what you need to do. But that's kind of seldom uh, that you would have that experience. Um, so, so yeah, you know, running lean and and uh, and just uh, being really strategic and pointed with how you're spending your time because a lot of it, like for me, it was like. There was just a select few people that did most of the work, right? Of and you know we could pro probably have twice as many people working, right, doing the same amount of work. So it's it's intense, yeah. So um, uh, other other tips on funding, um, you know, I, I was always a little squeamish about loans early on. It's like ooh loans, then we got to pay it back. <laughs> um, but it's actually been a key piece that we've leveraged more recently um, for equipment in particular, because uh, you know banks they collateralize the equipment. So 
it's pretty easy to get an equipment loan. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, like a compact telehandler, basically a forklift with a boom that extends out, is just night and day for what we do. And renting them is really, really expensive. So um, we have four of them now. And uh, without equipment loans, we'd, you know, we'd still be renting and it would really affect our bottom line. So a couple okay. tips on that. Great. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, so what, what kind of startups, in your opinion, do you think that people should think about building now, given all of the changes that we've experienced in the last year? Especially in Hawaii. Especially, Especially in Hawaii. In Hawaii. Mm. Oh, wow. Gee, okay. Well, now you're, you're just treating me like more an authority than I really am. <laughs> um, but uh, All opinion-based, no pressure. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's a great question. I think, uh, you know, obviously, like, things that can be done to address the climate crisis is key, you know? And there, there's, a, there's a lot that people are doing, all this stuff at Elemental Accelerator and um, Hawaii Energy's work and, and all this. But, uh, you know, there's no shortage of need in, in addressing the issue. Um, so that's one. Um, I'll have to say, um, here, uh, here in Hawaii and in particular on Oahu, our waste problem is really coming to a head. Um, I, I knew that it would, you know, it's always been a, an issue and I knew that it would be, become a, a more serious problem um, at some point. I just didn't realize it would be now. Um, like our landfills are having to close fairly soon. The, the construction landfill uh, might close in the next five to 10 years. And the Wymanol Gulch Municipal Landfill is closing um, uh, in a similar time frame, actually. Um, so it's, uh, it's kind of a scary thing, because if you look at Oahu, you know, in the, the size of land that you would need for a, for a landfill, pretty slim pickings on, on what, where, you would, where you would build that. And so, um, so we're trying to kind of strategize on our end, like how we can scale to address the need and just keep stuff out of the landfill so there's less of a need there. Um, but any, anybody that has uh, solutions for, for waste reduction, um, in particular around construction uh, waste, because it's a third of our overall waste stream, right? Um, so the demolition and remodel buildings, uh, 600,000 tons a year annually go into the landfill from, from this waste stream. Um, so lots to be done on that. We're actually thinking about ways that we could support the greater industry in doing trainings around deconstruction and building material reuse so that we're not the only ones doing it because it's just, we're just, there's no way we'll be able to address the whole thing. It needs to be a, a deeper uh, change in the system. Yeah. So. Yeah, so those those are a few things, but uh, you know, I defer to everyone here too because I, I know there's a lot of really exciting things happening, and people are already you know engaging and mobilizing on on creative ideas to make the world a better place. So let me know how I can support. Awesome. Um, well, we've got time for one more question, and then we want to go into our rapid fire segment. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> They'll be civil, I promise. Um, so what, who, what would you say has been your biggest inspiration or an individual who's been your biggest inspiration? Mm. Um, you mean besides George? <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, besides George. <laughs> gee, um, biggest inspiration. Oh, man. Um, can we circle back to that for a second? <laughs> that, uh, this, is the, this is a serious question. <laughs> um, okay, then it, we'll, we'll give you a free pass on that one. Um, what would no, you, we're coming back, but yeah. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll come back to that one later. Um, but what would you say we can all do to build a better business environment here in Hawaii? Ah, yeah, okay. Um, 
Another tough one. Gee, Liz, you're really, you're really going for the gold I'm here. I'm going for the hardball. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I think like being collaborative and respectful is um, is a really key piece. Like I've seen, like uh, in the business world, like sometimes, like there's like like really terrible but little bit manipulation little bit like kind of scheming and i i just sometimes i just don't think it's necessary i think we can all be collaborative and um, c connect and be present with each other to um, do this all together um, and so i you know i i'm just a proponent of the business community evolving uh, to to be more of a uh, more of a community um, where we where we work together and there's. Can I ask a follow-up question? How do we go about doing that here? How do we go about creating more connections and finding those local entrepreneurs that are doing something great and create more of? Well, I think we're doing it right now. You know, in a, to what an extent. That's my startup grind plug, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, it, comes back to this network, right? Like surround your people, yourself with people with, that that you resonate with, that um, that have the same values, that you can trust, and that um, you know believe in in the possibilities of what we can do as a community. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, again, it kind of depends on what what we're doing and what the context of of everything is, but. Um, yeah, I think um, I think that would be my answer to that. Awesome. Um, well, we're gonna launch right into the rapid fire. Um, so we've got 21 questions for you, and then afterwards we're gonna open it up to the audience to see what questions you folks have. 21. 21. What? Go, yeah. <laughs> no more, no less. I promise. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Bring it on. All right. Number one: cats or dogs. Dogs. Beer or wine? Um, wine. Favorite app? Uh, Todoist. Favorite car? Favorite car, uh, Dotson 210. <laughs> Favorite book? Oh, uh, The Stranger, Albert okay. Camus. Okay. Favorite movie or TV show? Oh, um, uh, I'm a Seinfeld fan, just gonna admit it. What's <laughs> up with those things? <laughs> Um, favorite artist? Oh, uh, musical. Oh, 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 a musician. Yeah. Oh man, um, I, I'm an Xavier Rudd fan. Okay. Yeah, I just the the guy's amazing. Next. Your your go-to karaoke song. Uh, okay. Um, I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but I've never done karaoke. Um, until later tonight when George and I go out. Perfect. Well, we all want to be there for that. <laughs> um, what TV sitcom family would you be a member of? Uh, I, uh, I'm not a TV guy. Next. Okay. Um, anything you collect? I love old tools, vintage tools, especially Japanese stuff like chisels and yeah, bring it on. Any unusual skills or talent? Uh, Non-ferrous um, non uh, soldering, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a non-ferrous uh, metal sculptor. We didn't cover that tonight, but it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, if a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be, and who would play you? Oh, man. Uh, OK, totally action film. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've got Matthew McConaughey okay. starring it up. <laughs> yeah. What was your first job? Oh, uh, well, working with my dad, yeah. Pound of nails, probably in the wrong spot. OK. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, um, uh, I, uh, 
airplane pilot. Yeah. All Easy. right. What is the best compliment someone can give you? Oh. Uh, nice uh, 360 kickflip. <laughs> um, a cause you are passionate about. Oh, um, uh, helping people in, um, in impoverished countries um, with water, water sources. Yeah. Okay. It's my charity water plug. Um, who are five people, alive or dead, you would want to have dinner with? Five people? Okay, are they all together or? You can plan this dinner however you'd like. You can do individual dinners or you can sit everyone around a table. Totally up to you. Okay. How important is it that they connect to each other? Or is it just about my connection with them? It's more focused on your connection with them. So it should be focused on who you would like to connect with. But if you'd like to change that, you also okay. can. Okay, so number one, Sri Ramana Maharshi. Just off the bat. Um, I would also have Simon Sinek, um, leadership guy. Um, number three, uh, number three, we'd have, uh, we'd have Bill Coy, director of uh, Omidy Our Fellows. Um, and uh, Blangiardi is there for sure, you know, just given. Um, <laughs> And uh, uh, Keone Lee, uh, Hawaii Investment Ready. Is that five? Yeah, that's okay. five. Good. That would, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and so, what's one thing on your bucket list? Oh, I'm like, one thing on my bucket list. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a serious bucket list, but I'd love to run more rivers in a whitewater kayak which I did when I was in high school, and uh, it's like incredibly fun. So yeah, it's on the list. Okay, and what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, I, you know, not a lot. I've kind of lucked out in that realm. But um, I went to Japan once, and every time you get soup, there's like a miniature squid. And I know it's like delicious and probably nutritious, but ah, just, just really, just squid, you know? So <laughs> we're just, you know, floating in liquid. <laughs> a little strange. Um, okay, so if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Trade lives with uh, anyone for a day, who would it be? Oh, um, oh, that's a great, great question. Um, I'm sorry, rapid fire. <laughs> Uh, um, Bam. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I would trade lives with, uh, I'd probably trade lives with Sai Baba. I'd be flying my helicopter over giant crowds in India. That would be fun. Okay. And I'd like manifest things out of ash, you know, just, it's amazing. So. Okay. Um, and then if you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go? Oh, uh, access to a time machine. Where would I go? Um, hmm. Well, sometimes like when I'm in nature, I'm like, uh, I'm like, what would it be like, like 200 years ago? And there's this one place in New Hampshire, um, on Lake Winnipesaukee that it's like a, it's basically like the, the lake sort of splits, but it comes back together and there's like a little sandbar. And it was where the Native Americans like would be canoeing and they'd like get out and drag their canoes and then keep going. Um, and, uh, and whenever I go there, there's a road that goes through it now. Um, but I always thought, wow, what would it be like uh, in like, you know, the 500 years ago um, on Lake Winnipesaukee, um, you know, in a, in a dugout canoe. I, so just you guys there with me? <laughs> 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 
Okay. Well, it might be rapid fire, but it sounds like you've given that one a lot of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of time in, on one of Pisaki, as we know. So. Awesome. Well, that concludes our rapid fire questions. Um, we want to give Quinn a large round of applause. Thank you okay. so much for Good being here today. And I also want to thank the Hub so much for hosting us today in, the, in your space. This has been wonderful. So great for us all to come together again. Um, and now we're excited to open it up for questions. Uh, there is a question from Livestream. OK. Uh, what advice can you give existing businesses on reducing what we put into the landfills? Uh, is it electronic waste, paper, question mark? Mm, mm, OK. Yeah. Um, Luke, did you pick that up, or should I repeat the question? Oh, yeah, it helped if you repeat Yeah, so the question is, uh, what can businesses do to reduce waste? Um, set up your, your recycling system. Um, just start with bottles and cans. It's easier said than done. Um, uh, you know, office paper, um, that kind of thing. Just start, start you know, simple. Um, there's other businesses that are larger that are faced with bigger waste streams. Um, if you've got a building to demolish, that's like a huge opportunity to keep material out of the landfill. Um, and um, uh, Opala.org has a lot of resources on that. Um, uh, E-waste recycling is really key. Um, Island recycling is an awesome resource for uh, e-waste, paper, cardboard, uh, uh, and of course, scrap metal. Um, so it's my island recycling plug. Yeah, they asked the follow-up. I think you already answered it, but it says, what can local businesses do with material we don't need anymore but aren't ready to be thrown away? Assuming Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace are an option. Okay. It kind of depends on what the material... So the question is, what can businesses do with their unwanted materials? I mean, it depends, like... Reuse Hawaii is a great resource um, for furniture, build, leftover building materials. There's the Habitat for Humanity Restore in Kalihi. They take all kinds of different stuff, but mostly building materials and that sort of thing. The Goodwill and Kanwaki is coming back to that same spot, for those that were wondering. Um, so yeah, hope that helps. We have some questions in the audience. Yeah. Thank you, Queen. Awesome stuff. Um, what's next for Reuse Hawaii? Like in the, uh, the grand scheme, next phases, and of course your exit plans. Any, any entrepreneur needs. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so. We are, uh, like I said, you know, looking at how we can just make a bigger impact. And um, we've got like a really incredible team right now, including a new uh, director of communications and fundraising, Ariana, who, if, for those of you that follow us on social media, she's really getting the message out about what we're doing. Um, and um, we're, you know, just trying to, to lead an example of what can be done around the solutions for waste reduction. Um, you know, as some of you know, we have an operation on the Big Island. And uh, it's th it's, we're three years in, but there's a lot of development to do still yet. And um, so we're looking for, um, for some support and, and traction into um, getting a covered warehouse and, and um, some, some more infrastructure for our Hawaii Island operation. There's a, there's a lot of need and, and uh, a lot of, like, kind of homesteader do-it-yourselfers on the Big Island that love salvage material. Um, and we're also um, doing more uh, hotel liquidation work. Um, I don't know if folks are aware, but every five to seven years, um, the resorts and hotels replace the furniture in the rooms and common areas. And it tends to be in excellent condition. Um, it's just they just need to, you know, refresh, upgrade. Um, and so we did our first project last summer at Princeville Resort, which is now going to be one hotel. Uh, it's a Starwood property, and um, it was an amazing success. We recovered uh, 250 rooms worth of hotel furniture 
and did a community give back campaign and uh, redonated it to uh, local nonprofits on Kauai and uh, shelters and charter schools and uh, folks that needed different material. Um, and so um, it's just a wealth of, of, of I, you know, community resources that we want to make available and created a, a system for reusing them to make sure we don't, we're not throwing out. Like, like the chair I'm sitting in, for example, could be at a hotel that would just end up getting tossed. This kind of quality, and so um, it's a compliment, George. Nice chair. <laughs> make sure to go to Reuse Hawaii right after that. <laughs> but James, on your other point, uh, just on exit plans, you know, I think, um, I think, you know, it's actually one of the interesting things of being an entrepreneur is like, is there a point that you develop it and you actually step away? And um, I think that's like the truest sign of, of success. Um, and just this last year, one, one, of, uh, one of my longtime partners, Daniel, he had worked with us for 14 years. And it's one of those like, you could just never see the organization without him. He ended up moving on. And, and, uh, and I just, I thought, I thought it was a really um, important sign of the organization's ability to be like a self-regulating organism that is doing its work without the dependence on these, these key personnel. Of course, there's always going to be some of that, but it's, uh, but it's, it's an interesting question. I, Appreciate you bringing that up. What is the reuse Hawaii pandemic or COVID pandemic short story that you're going to tell your son Skyler in 18 years over his first legal beer? Right on. Keyword legal beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's so interesting because like. I just feel like we're going to reflect on this time for just forever. Um, and, um, you know, I think for me, it was like this moment where it's like kind of the rubber hits the road with leadership. And like, how do you, how do you support your, like at the time we had 32 people on staff and it's like, how do you shut down and still show support and, and, um, you know, provide confidence to this group of people, you know, because it's just scary for all of us, right? It's just uncharted territory. Um, and um, so that so that was my journey is like, you know, figure out how to, um, you know, how to be strong. Um, and I did these monthly update videos, which I had never done. Um, but it was a, it was a really great um, way to just keep connected. Uh, we did these videos and like just cut in some photos of stuff that was happening. And, um, but, um, but the most interesting part that I'll share with Skylar, well, I'm sharing with him. He's so interested in everything. So, uh, so it's an ongoing combo. But um, uh, I, I've been super inspired by the, the demand and the need for, for Reuse Hawaii in the community during this time. Uh, we, we closed down for two months and we reopened in early June. It's about a year ago that we reopened after the after closing for a couple months and um, there was like a crowd of people outside reuse. I like felt like I should have like get, given like a speech, you know, and it was just the, it was great. It was crowded but not too crowded. Um, you know, we're lucky. It's an open open space, a big lumberyard and stuff. Um, and uh, it's just been really touching, and like our, we've been, um, there's been huge impact um, within our organization throughout this time. And I feel really lucky, you know, because we're we're just fulfilling a really important need. Um, and it's a, it's a strange phenomenon. Like folks are have been home more, and like there's more focus on on their house and their space, and they they're just rolling up their sleeves and getting stuff done and so our, the tool library is really busy too and so I just I just think it's fun and I hope it continues and I think it will uh, where we sort of have a, a a new kind of realm that we're living in great I think we got maybe a couple more questions two more let's do two more questions 
Thanks for your time, friend. Um, my question is back to what Liz had touched on before on scaling. So, you know, you went from an individual with a distinct business plan to now having, you know, four retail locations, 37 employees. And I'm curious what you would say attribute, you attribute most to your ability to be the successful with that extensive amount of planning, networking, funding, just pure determination. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, first, live free or die. Just get that out of the way. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a mix. Uh, I, I will say, you know, some people have asked me this before, and it's like, I have to be honest that um, one of the tricks is just working a ton. Just like I was telling Liz, like. You know, you work throughout the day and you take a lunch break. And with, with, with me in the early days, especially in Olympia, I also took a dinner break, right? Because I continue to work into the evening. Um, and so it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it, I, I don't know. I wish there was a way around that because it's not necessarily healthy, right? You, you just shouldn't be working 16-hour days. It's just like, I don't care who you are. It's just too much work, you know? Um, and so, um, you know, I think just, just being really strategic about your time and making sure that you're making the biggest impact with the time, with the 12 hours that you're working, okay? Um, and, um, and then just, it keeps coming back to who you surround yourself with. You know, I felt really lucky. You know, it's not really me. I mean, I'm the executive director and I'm one of the founders, but it's really everyone that is involved now and has been involved. And, um, and so just finding the right people that, um, you know, that are committed to whatever your mission is, in our case, waste reduction and community resources, and, um, and you know, in developing those relationships and empowering people to, to make impacts within the organization. Um, yeah, and then just, uh, you know, being strategic with the finances. You know, it's hard because, like, the financial realities is a lot of your ability to, to make movement. And so just, you know, being strategic around that as well. Hope that yeah. helps. Yeah. Um, I think we got time for one more question. Hi. There's also, um, you know, building codes that are impediments to people using um, recycled materials to build structures. And what, because I was wondering what you think about that, if you've like spoken to legislators about um, the building codes and allowing for more um, kind of green, or re, you know, recycled products to be, um, to be used instead of having, you know, the building codes kind of call for, like, you to basically go get all your materials from Home Depot. Um, and you can't, unless you're building off-grid and unpermitted, you can't really use everything from the resource, but unless you're doing it unpermitted and kind of in the style. Yeah. So um, I know people that do that and have built these beautiful, like, kind of artistic recycled homes um, that are perfectly safe and nice to live in. Um, so anyway, I just wondering what you think about the building codes and kind of Hawaii's, um, I don't know, just their their strictness on that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and in Oahu, it's not seen as much, but mm -hmm. I would like to see more building in Oahu that is 
Great question. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think a, a lot of that is work that still needs to be done. Um, but uh, there's a lot of salvage material and, gr and green building products that, uh, that you can use and still adhere to the codes. Um, a great example, and I think he'd be fine if I mentioned, is Aaron Ackerman's house in Palolo. He um, built his house using the Living Building Challenge. It's like the strictest green building um, guide. And um, it's just beautiful, you know. And so he used like redwood for siding on the outside and the inside. Um, and there's a, like a lot of finishes that you can um, salvage material that you can use for, for the finishes. Um, you know, uh, I'm a fan of like, you know, older fixtures. Like we just got like one of those old stainless steels, kitchen sinks, like, so those, those I, I think as, as long as you have a good faucet and stuff can, can be okay with the code. Um, so, but yeah, more to be done on that. And, it, and even with, with natural building, right, cob and straw bale and stuff, there's, there could be a lot done on that um, to just make it more, um, easy for folks to um, live sustainably and, and not just not be out of compliance, right?